Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Right now, it is the perfect opportunity for you, whether it's uh, in your physical health, whether it's your spiritual health, whether it's your finances, your relationships, about learning to reboot, learning to get things right again. And that's what rebooting is. And uh, this year I've had, uh, I, I ended last year strong, but this year physically I've struggled because I started the year off injured and I wasn't able to work out like I normally do. And now I used to get up at 3.30 in the morning, be on the treadmill, run my five miles before uh, the sun would even come up. And then then I'd work out at night. And ever since I hurt my leg, I found myself now that my leg is fine, 3.30 comes around and I'm like, I ain't getting up. And so when you find yourself doing what you're normally used to doing, you and you're not doing it the way you should, you have to reboot. You have to take time to do this. And that word reboot just means to uh, restart. And we're, we're going to kind of just lay the foundation again, like an operating system uh, in a computer or a phone or any electronic device. When you reboot, it just means to, re- to, to boot it again, to start it over again so that whatever the default setting in that item was will be reloaded again. And I want you to know that your default setting is victory. Your default setting in your DNA, you were wired to win. That's what God created you as. He formed you. He fashioned you out of his own design. And so if you find yourself losing in any area of your life, it's because you need to reboot. You need to go back to your default settings. And it's necessary to reboot when these three things take place. It's necessary when a product no longer functions the way it should. Again, this is review. Uh, Whenever an update has to take effect or whenever a product freezes and it doesn't respond like it does. And I don't know about you, whenever something freezes, have you ever had an iPhone or a, a, your Samsung or any device freeze and you just start pressing it harder? <laughs> pressing the buttons harder or tapping the screen harder when something freezes doesn't make it work. And many times we hit areas of our life harder, whether it's relationships, finances, our walk with God, and we put more pressure on those areas, but it doesn't respond. And putting more pressure isn't going to solve the issue. That's why whenever you confront your wife, your children, your finances, even your own self, things don't rectify themselves. You find yourself in trouble. You have to reboot. Somebody say reboot. And it's not only electrical items that need to reboot. We all have things in our lives that need to reboot. And when things don't work, we have to reboot. Jesus called rebooting repentance. Everyone say repentance. It's vital. That's our starting point. We have to learn how to just stop and repent. There's some things you don't try to fix. You have to repent from them. Say it again, Pastor. Listen, you you don't work your way out of sin. You repent your way out of sin. And, And we have to recognize that too many times in our lives, we try to save ourselves. You can't save yourself. 
Jesus knew that you couldn't keep keep the standard, and that's what the blood of Jesus is all about. So if we're going to reboot, it starts with repentance. And repentance has to do with our mindset more than our walk. And when you change your mind, then you'll be able to change your walk. Secondly, Paul called this renewing. Paul said, you got to renew your mind. You got to take time and get that old stinking thinking out. And I shared with you a couple weeks ago when we talked about the renewal, about how Paul, many individuals say, well, don't, don't go to that church. They're just, they're just trying to brainwash you. You better believe we're trying to brainwash you because your brain is filthy. We're trying to get rid of those old thoughts. We're trying to get out of those old mindsets. We're trying to get rid of poverty. We're trying to get rid of sickness. We're trying to get rid of low self-esteem. We need to wash that old brain out and give you a new mindset of who you are in Christ Jesus. You have to recognize who you are. And tonight I want to take you to the third, the third level of David referred to rebooting as rest- restoration. Everyone say Restoration. I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 51. And Psalms 51 is such a power. Thank you, Randy. appreciate that, man. Um, Psalms 51, so calming when he plays. Psalms 51, verse 12. And Psalms 51, it was believed to be been written right after King David had fallen into sin with Bathsheba. Tried to cover it up by having her husband pulled off the front lines and tried to get him to sleep with his wife. And when that didn't work, he had her husband Uriah sent to the front lines and had everyone pull back and not let him know and had him killed. So he commits adultery. He covers it up. And he lies about it. And then he takes this man's wife as his own with the baby that's inside of her. When this takes place, David is confronted by the prophet Nathan. And after that confrontation, David sits down and begins to write these words. If you get a chance, read Psalms 51 and just see the the heartbreak. And you begin to see repentance. You begin to see a renewal. You begin to see restoration taking place. And I don't know how many times in my life I've prayed Psalms 51. Times that I've called out to God and, and begged him, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because there were times that I turned away from God where I knew what I was doing. And when we sin, we know exactly what we're doing, when we're doing it, who we're doing it with. And this is the case here. David knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting into. And verse 12 says this, restore, everyone say restore. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, David understood something's missing. And we all understand that when we begin to fall away from God, that there's something missing from our lives. You recognize it. You know it when you get up. You know when you're going to bed. You know when you're going through the day, you're snapping at people. You're feeling, you're, you're feeling it down and that the joy has left you. This joy had left him. And he says, return, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing And this is the thing. We all want the joy of our salvation back, but we don't want to do the second part. Give me my joy, but I still don't want to obey you. Give me my joy, but I don't want to do what you said. But you need to understand that in order to get your joy back, you have to get back to the principles that are found in the word of God. 
That word restore means this. It means to turn back or to, to return or to turn back, to be restored or to refresh. Also to turn or to turn from. And I love the last definition. It literally means this, to do something again. Restore, do something again. Remember, when, 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 our, when our computer systems or things, uh, our phones freeze up and we reboot them, it gives it the opportunity to do something Again, to do what it was designed for. And I love, I love this because David wanted to restore his default settings. His sin with Bathsheba and his murder cover up left him disconnected from God and he was no longer able to do what he was created to do. Whenever you've, what, what made Jesus so powerful was the fact that Jesus had no sin. And what sin does to you, not only does it separate you from God, but sin keeps you from operating at your optimum. Whenever you walk in, you see someone sick. Instead of praying for them, you begin to look at your own downfalls, your shortcomings, the things that you did. And you don't think you have the right or the authority to step into that situation and be the remedy because you're the problem. When you're in sin... You don't see yourself as the remedy. You're always draining people trying to get well. Have you noticed that? People that are always jacked up, always in sin, always messed up, are always draining you rather than adding value to you. Because they're always looking to get fixed. They're always looking for someone to add value to them. Imagine with me what made Jesus so powerful was his ability to recognize I had no sin. My relationship with God is where it's supposed to be so I can operate at my optimum and do what I was created to do. You don't, you think that sin is trying to keep you away from doing the fun things in life? No, but the sin is keeping you from accomplishing what you were created for. And that's why we have to be restored. Because when you sin, it steals away your dominion. It steals away your design. It takes away your confidence to operate the way you were created for. People are just like, no, sin is what sin's doing. God's just trying to keep fun from me. He's just trying to keep me from doing the things I want to do. No, he's trying to keep you designed to operate for what you were created for. That's why you you want a picture of what we were designed for? Look at Jesus. Sinless. Relying on the Holy Spirit. And Jesus just didn't come into the world. He brought his world with him. But when we're caught up in sin, we're not looking at helping other people out. We're looking at trying to get by on our own. So I want you to realize, David realizes that there's something wrong. Now, I need you to understand, sin steals joy. Oh, come on, Pastor. No, it doesn't. I have fun when I'm, I'm in sin. Yeah, you're having fun in sin. But the moment you step out of it, you begin to realize that's where the depression sets in. That's where the, the low self-esteem gets a hold of you. That's where I'm no good. And all of a sudden, now, that bit, that from that high of being involved in sin, that's why the Word of God says that many individuals step into sin for a season. It's good for the season. But then when that season's over, you're stuck with the remorse. 
Because you know you were created for something greater. Come on, somebody. And so David says, restore. Everyone say restore. What, what David was saying was this. I want it back. I want, I want my design back. When I was right with you, giants fell. When I was right with you, kingdoms were defeated. When I was right with you, I was able to do the impossible. But now that I sin, I can't even get out of bed. I can't even go to war. I can't even operate the way I'm supposed to. Because when I'm in sin, I'm not operating at my optimum. Dr. Miles Monroe referred to restoration as being restored to our original position. Now, now let, let, me, let me put it this way to you. I, I love this as an example, okay? This bottle of water. This is its position, okay? This is where we were created to be. Adam sinned, and we fell. All right? You following me? We fell. Fallen condition. Someone comes, picks it up. It's no longer on the floor. It's made progress. It's at a higher level. No longer on the floor. No longer sideways. Now it's not, it's not where it was. But is that restoration? Restoration is original position. And many of us are settling for how far we've come, not getting restored to where we should be. And we're looking at how we're looking at how far I look at. I, I used to get high every day. Now I only do it once a week. Now, you know, I, I used to get drunk all the time. Now I only get drunk on special occasions. You know what? You're not restored to original condition. You might have made some progress, but you're still not where God intended you to be. And we're settling in our life, not for restoration. We're just selling for replacement. Being placed in another position. And we're settling for that. But the problem is being set in the wrong position doesn't lead to power. Doesn't lead to dominion. Restoration begins with these five things. And it's vital that we understand this. Because when when David sins, first thing that happens is connection. Everyone say connection. You guys are going way ahead of me up there, man. Slow down, okay? Let 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 me cook the meal a little bit here. Back, back up on these things, okay? So first thing that starts is with, with connection. David sins, and here comes the prophet Nathan. Now, what's David at the time? Anyone know? Who was he? He's a king. In a monarchy, is there anyone higher than a king? And yet, the prophet comes in, and he confronts, The king. Relationship. I don't care how high you get in life. You need a relationship. You need someone. You need a connection with someone that loves you enough to tell you when you're getting off course. 
You need someone in your life that loves you enough to say, hey, wait a minute, buddy, you're going the wrong way. Every one of us, and the NFL players I work with, I always tell them this, every single one of us needs at least two people in our lives to tell us no and we'll listen to them because they're surrounded by people that are yes men, enablers, because they don't want to lose the money or the influence that these players have. But every one of us needs in our lives someone that says, no, she's no good for you. No, you shouldn't go over there. No, you should shouldn't do this. Hey man, that's not a good idea for you. And he had a connection, a relationship with the prophet. David could have had the prophet killed, but he had a connection. Everyone say connection. When we lose our connection with God, we lose our ability to operate at our optimum. Second thing he had was the confrontation. Listen, some of you want to grow, but you don't want to be confronted. Oh, don't tell me nothing. Don't, don't tell me this. Don't tell me that. Look, how many of you have ever had a personal trainer? Yeah. Personal trainer is going to tell you how to work out, right? Don't tell me what to do. That's what I'm paying you for. I'll, I'll slow it down at the top squeeze. Now, what a personal trainer does, he doesn't just watch you work out. He helps correct you. He helps confront you. And many of you want to grow, but you get all bent out of shape when the pastor or a spiritual leader tries to confront you about your actions or your behavior or your things that you're doing. And you get all bent out of shape and you say, well, who are you to tell me what to do? Who are we? We are the spiritual leadership that God has placed in your life to help you get to another level. The clapping stopped. It's really, really... Now it's sporadic, whereas everyone else was like, yeah, I was designed to win. I was designed to, to do this. Now all of a sudden, confrontation, you know, especially in the home, John, everything's cool until you have to confront someone, huh? You're going to get me out of jail? Yeah, I'll, I'll go to the home. I'll do whatever you want, John. Hey, I'll just, just get me out of here, man. I'll, I'll go. I'll do whatever. And then all of a sudden, everything's cool until you have to confront someone. But you didn't get in that position because your choices were good. You need someone to confront you. Come on. Listen, we, we need someone to confront us at times. You ain't got it all together. We need someone to confront us and tell us you're getting off track. Then after that, confession. And this is important right here. See, the, the confrontation's about respect. You'll never respond to someone's correction if you do not respect them. (laughs) You, You will not respond to someone's correction unless you respect them. And in this day and age, it's no longer do we respect people based on their position. We respect them based on our relationship with them. And so you might be a pastor, you might be a man or woman of God, but if I don't have relationship with you, listen, I only have influence in your life to the level you give me permission to. And it's vital that you, if you don't have respect for me as a minister, as a man of God, then you're not going to respond to my confrontation. That's where people leave the church. And then they wonder why they don't grow. Why'd you leave that church? Well, they, got, they, they hurt me. They got mad at me. They did, did. You know, what we did is we corrected you. And you got all butt hurt and you left. 
That's a trip. People are bad in the world, and then all of a sudden they get saved, and someone corrects them, and all of a sudden they fall apart. Yeah, I was, I was down with my hood, man. I was down. And then you get to church, and all of a sudden you become a wimp. What happened? As a result, David confesses. And confession is, this is the one thing that we need because now you take responsibility. Psychologists have found that the difference between a boy and a man is the ability of that boy to now take responsibility for his actions. The difference between a child and an adult is that ability to stop and say, my bad. That's on me. Prisons are filled right now with people that can't take responsibility. They just refuse to stop and say, my bad. I blew it. I did it. It, It's not my mom, not my dad, not my hood, not my friends. That was me. I did it. And you will not grow until you're able to take responsibility for where you're at. You will never change until you get to the point that you can take responsibility for your actions and confess. And David had the ability to confess you know, and how, how does he do it? What's a trip is this, is that, you know, Nathan goes over to him and says, hey, hey, David. And he's so cool the way he does it. He goes, there's a man in your kingdom. And, and, and this man, uh, you know, this family had, had, a, had, a, had a baby lamb. And, you know, he, he was, it was like a family member. They cared for it. They watched out for it. It, was like it lived with, they weren't going to eat him. It was family. They took care of him. And all of a sudden, this rich man saw uh, that had thousands of sheep, had a friend come over. And that rich man went to this poor family, stole their sheep, killed it, and fed it to his friend. And David's like, no, who did that? And what's a trip is this. We get mad at other people for step breaking the laws of God until, but we don't realize we don't get mad at ourselves when we do it. So, Dave, so, so Nathan had to explain it to David in a different way. And when David heard that, it, 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 it sparked the righteousness inside of him. And David said, where is that man? And, David, and, and Nathan looks at him and says, you're that man. You did it. He's like, oh, here you you're right. <laughs> that was me. You're right. He, he confesses. You got to be able to confess. That confession led to correction. Nathan corrects him at that point. And rebuke. You got to be able to deal with rebuke, folks. You got to be able to deal with someone correcting you, putting you in place, and, and trying to get you back in line. So, as a result, lastly, it leads to consequence. Leads to consequence. Good to see you too. You can go out the doors next time and get into number four, correction. If you can't deal with rebuke, you can't grow. If you can't deal with correction, you're never going to be able to grow. And see, in this generation, nobody wants to be told anything. Kids will leave their home when mom and dad corrects them. I'm not your friend. I'm your parent. I'm not your buddy. I'm your pastor. And I'm here to share the word with you to get you on track, to get you to another level. 
And so when people get all bent out of shape because they can't take direction, they freak out, they fall apart. But listen, you need somebody in your life that loves you enough to rebuke you. Many of us are in a place in our life because we never had someone that loved us enough to grab you by the shoulders and say, listen, you're blowing it. You're blowing it. And then when you do have someone, you get mad and you get taken all personal. But listen, after you get over it, after you yell, you cry and snots all over the place. Pick yourself back up and recognize I got to fix these things. And the last thing is this, and this is the thing that we don't understand. We think just because we confess that we've asked God for forgiveness, that all the consequences are gone. But let me ask you this. You get drunk, you jump in a car, you drive down the street, you nail a wall and you break your leg. Sitting in the car, you start calling out to God, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. God, please, don't, don't let the cops show up. You're, you're, you're pleading. God, I'll never do this again. Now, do you think God will forgive you? Hmm? Yeah. Do you think you're still going to have a broken leg? Just because God forgives you, doesn't, is the car still going to be wrecked? Just because you ask forgiveness doesn't mean that the consequences of your actions are gone. And we mix things up where we think just because I ask forgiveness, the consequences are over. You got to recognize there's consequences at times that you have to face for the choices that you make. And the consequences that David had to deal with was the death of his baby. Baby didn't do anything wrong. But it was David's choices that led him there. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. That's not me. That's the word. Solomon said this. And many of us are, are stupid because we refuse to respond to correction. You don't want to be corrected in your finances. You don't want to be corrected in your body. You don't want to be corrected in your spiritual life. You don't want to be corrected in your relationships. You want to do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. And then you wonder why everything's falling apart. Because we hate correction. Wise people love correction. It's not always pleasant, but correction helps us grow. Now, now look at this. I want you to see this. He was, first of all, he was lazy because he was supposed to be at war. Secondly, he's an adulterer, con man. He's trying to cover it up, all right? He's a murderer, murders this dude, and yet God calls him what? Calls him what? A man after God's own heart. Are you kidding me? A man after God's own heart. I'm like, God, there has to be. (laughs) What made this man a man after God's own heart? It was David's ability to receive correction. Let, Let me tell you something. You don't become a man or woman after God's own heart because you're perfect. It's your ability to accept correction and to get back on track. To to have someone that that loves you enough to say, hey, David was responsible for only one thing in all that area. 
And that was his confession. Can you confess? You can't be restored until you recognize you're broken. Say it again, Pastor. You cannot be restored until you recognize you're broken. And as long as you keep thinking that you're all right, you're never going to get restored to the place that God wants to bring you. And so confession is vital because notice this about confession. We're not going to get through this tonight. We're going to have to close. But confession is primary. Everything starts with confession. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It starts, it starts with confession. Hey, bro, starts with confession, okay? And so the reality is this, is that confession is primary. Confession is, you're not going to get anywhere without confession. Secondly, confession takes responsibility for our actions. It's not anyone else's fault. It's on me. It's on you. And as long as we continue to pass the buck, we're never going to be able to get to where it is that God wants you to be. And number three, take a look at this. Humility is necessary for confession. Humility is vital. We're not going to get to it, but as we, as we continue this next week, you're going to find that the reason most of us are not able to reach where God wants us to be is because of a simple thing called pride. Pride is killing us. It's killing you. It's stopping you, preventing you. Confession is so powerful because confession exposes pride. Confession just makes pride lay there naked. And pride has nowhere to go when we confess. When you confess, it's not like, you know, it was him, it was her, it... You imagine after everything David did, he confesses. He looks at Nathan, he goes, I sinned. Against God alone have I sinned. What? Dude, you you got a woman pregnant, killed her husband, the baby dies, you put everyone else around you at jeopardy by having this guy killed, and only against God did you sin? But David ultimately understood that every time we sin, it's against God. James 4, 6 says this. But he gives us more grace. Somebody say grace. Grace. To stand against such evil desires. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud. But favors The humble. You you know what that word grace means? It's a Greek word, charis. It's gifts. How many would love God to give you a gift? And when we respond correctly to God, God pours out gifts to you. Charis. Gifts. It's where we get the word charismatic from. You ever see a charismatic person? charismatic person has entered they're they're always adding value to people they're they're gifted 
That's what that word grace means. It's a, a, the difference between a charismatic and a non-charismatic person is not speaking in tongues. A charismatic person walks into a room and says, who could I add value to? A non-charismatic person walks into a room and says, who's going to add value to me? It's about giving. It's about grace. Next week, I'm going to share with you about how to break pride in your life. We're going to give you keys to break pride. Because I'm telling you, I'm proud too. I've been proud. But God's had to break those areas in my own personal life for me to grow. I need people to grow. I need spiritual leadership to grow. And I'm not sharing with you anything that I haven't gone through myself. I've walked this journey. And we all need somebody. Anyone that says they don't is filled with pride. I need you to understand that if you want more of God, I've learned that it's much better for me to humble myself than to let God humiliate me. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Pride wants to get in the way, even right now. Because even some of you are thinking right now, you know what, that, that's, I'm okay. I don't need any help. I got this. It's our ability to humble ourselves that gives God the ability to exalt you. Exalt you personally, financially, relationally. God wants to pour out his grace upon you. But he can't do it when pride's in the way because pride is the very thing that Satan built his kingdom on. It was the thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. It was the very thing that God will not deal with and it's pride. Because pride is the foundation by which all of Satan's kingdom is built upon. It's built upon pride. It's all built upon, that's why God's word says, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams, to obey God's word is more important than anything else. And only pride gets in the way of us obeying his word. But God loves you enough to say this, man, just listen, I I got a deal for you. You humble yourself, I'll exalt you. But if you try to exalt yourself, I'll humble you. God's exaltation always better than man's. You're here right now and you're, you're battling with pride. You recognize it. You're, you're, you're dealing with it. And whenever someone gives you advice or gives you direction, you're, you're always struggle with it. Or correction is so hard to receive. But you need to know today that correction and confession go hand in hand. Maybe right now you, you don't have a connection, first of all. You don't have a connection. You don't have someone in your life that you have, you have the ability to listen to. A relationship that someone can correct you and you respond. If that's you, right where you are, would you just lift your hand? Say, Pastor Dan, I need someone in my life that can speak. The, yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Secondly, you're here right now and you need someone in your life that you're, you're willing to allow them to correct you. You, you. you invite someone into your life to say, hey, listen, you're off track. You need to, to, to make a turn here. You need to do this. Like a GPS system, being able to get you to the place that you're trying to go. If that's you, would you lift your hand as well? Yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 
Thirdly, you're here right now. You need someone that also, you have the ability to come come up with your confession. You're willing to take responsibility for where you're at right now. Pastor, I'm not going to blame anyone else. I'm not going to put it on anyone else. Tonight, I'm willing to take responsibility for where I'm at. It's on me. I'm really, I'm willing to confess because everything starts with confession. If that's you, go ahead and lift your hand as well. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hands going up all over the place. God bless you. You're here right now and you recognize as we, we, we get ready to close this up is that there's going to be correction. There's going to be some things that are going to have to come about. You're going to have to change some things and you're willing to make the changes necessary in order for God to do the things that he wants to do in your life. If that's you, would you lift your hand as well? Amen. Yes, it's an important part. And regardless of what the consequences are, God, we're willing to deal with it because we want to get better. We want to get better. We don't want pride to kill off our ability to be who you want us to be. So I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet right now. Everyone, would you stand? Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.